Mornings, a podcast about news, politics, and pop culture on the Relay FM network. I'm Quinn Rose, and I'm here as always with my co-host, Jillian Parker. Hey, everyone. Hey, Quinn. Hi, Jillian. How are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm thriving right now because I am in two classes, and the honors exam is over, and I'm just, I'm just living my best life. I'm so happy for you and all of your successes. Hang out with us now, please. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it's everyone's favorite time of the year, tax season. I mean, to be fair, this is a funny thing that confuses me about tax season is that you can file taxes like from January to April, but um, I'm currently filing them in April, so I guess I can't judge anyone who also is. Yeah, I filed mine back in February because I was like in the middle of writing my thesis and I was like, I want all miserable things to happen to me at once. Oh my God. I filed my taxes very recently and I had more than one form I'm so small and don't make any money and so I usually just have the one form and then I had more than one and I didn't know what to do but um a free online tax software exists when you don't make any money so that that was nice oh my god the worst is when you have like multiple states taxes that you have to file Mm-hmm. like of course our home states are different from where we go to school so it's like well this just incentivizes you not to work I mean, this time I only have to file in Massachusetts, I think. <laughs> this is a th- other thing is, like, who knows if you're doing it wrong and you're going to be arrested? I don't know. I'm probably not going to be arrested, but um, I feel like it's just stressful in general because it's, it's, there are so many ways to make mistakes. I know, but I think I've read somewhere that, like, if you do make a mistake, they just, like, make you pay the money that you missed, and then it's like, okay. Yeah, I guess. Once you get audited. Audited sounds... Being audited sounds terrifying it's my worst nightmare i bet it is i honestly it stresses me out because i feel like there's literally no way i will never make a mistake on my taxes and then one day i'll get audited and um then i'll go to jail i have nightmares about this this is part partly part of the reason why i want to if i go to law school i would go i would become a tax attorney so i could just sue the irs i don't think you can actually just sue the irs i think you need a case first (laughs) So I can't believe I'm saying this, but I have come to a few realizations. Um, so as everyone knows, I'm pretty pretty libertarian, um, and taxation is theft, and I don't like taxes. Um, but there are some benefits that come from what taxes go toward, such as public libraries. Um, I'm okay with public libraries. Um, and currently... Um, I'm being, I'm being convinced that public infrastructure is good. I'm not impressed by any of this. This is my theory on Jillian's um, life is that you started as a relatively normal person and then you took this libertarian class and it ruined you. And now you're slowly coming back to like an acceptable human level of, of living in society. Cause I feel like for a while you were like, we don't need a society. And now you're like, I guess I like libraries and like, just very slowly, not, I don't think you're going to become, like, a Democrat anytime soon. I just think that you're slowly coming to accept that, like, maybe we need roads, which seems like a pretty low bar. <laughs> um, what was I going to say? Well, before I was libertarian, I was Republican, so. Yeah, but, like, even Republicans think we need roads. <laughs> I guess. Yeah, well. <laughs> I feel like everyone becomes a Republican tax season, at least briefly. Uh, it's, I have to pay taxes. I'm why do I, why am I paying taxes? I'm 21 years old. I should be getting a refund, but I'm not. 
Yep. This is this is why taxation is theft, people. I mean, the refund is just because you're getting money back that the government already took from you, and just the government didn't take any money from me, but now I owe the money. and But it just feels so different because I'm used to never seeing that money and then it just appearing back to me once a year, and now here I am. It's all leaving me at once. <laughs> Wait, what's that, um... <laughs> She lost all her tax refunds for slowly and then all at once. <laughs> like the, uh, the spoof on I paid my taxes the way you fall asleep. Slowly. And then all at once. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, John Green. <laughs> Adding poetry to every event. Oh my god, I was talking um, to my Danish teacher and... Everyone knows that Denmark has notoriously high taxes. Um, it's like 60% or something. Anyways, um, basically what he was saying was that like the word for tax in Danish is like sket. Um, but then also, like the pet name, the most common pet name that people use is also sket. So it's like, ugh, jeg sket, which means I love you, honey. But it's also like, we need less... Skeda, <laughs> like we need less taxes. It's a very weird feature of the Danish language. Yeah, I'm not a huge fan. Of course, I feel like those are the things you notice about a language when you are learning it. Whereas, I mean, English has so such weird things that I never think about because I know it. Yeah. Um. Another fun one is well, this is German, but birth control, um, like the oral contraceptives in German, it's called anti-baby pillin. <laughs> that's incredible <laughs> because germans just take words and just add stuff on to make them mean whatever they mean german is such a great language oh agreed i don't speak one word of it well now i speak and now i know anti anti-baby pillin yeah exactly so if i ever need that in my life of not going to germany getting away from us complaining about taxes and more towards a real topic as we speak, Mark Zuckerberg is testifying before Congress. He's on, we're recording this on Wednesday, so he's on day two of this. Uh, he had our, his first full day yesterday. There were a lot of interesting photos taken. There's this one super dystopian photo where he's sitting there and, the, and then there's dozens of these reporters um, standing in front of him with their cameras in his face. He's sitting at a desk taking pictures of him and the, and the picture is taken from behind him so you can see all of this. And it's a little bit like if you just change the colors and whatever, you can make it look like a Black Mirror episode. You can make it look like a kind of horror film thing. I also saw someone taking clips from the congressional hearing and putting the incredible score of the social network behind it to make it super dramatic. It was incredible. That's so funny. Yeah, this all these Congress hearings just have so much potential for memes to come about. <laughs> Which is a terrible aspect of our society because it's a very serious thing, but um, yeah, memes. Anyway, so Mark Zuckerberg um, is the CEO of Facebook, and recently Facebook has landed in some hot water, which we've talked about. There's a lot of problems with it. It's a giant monopoly. They ha own all your data. They're misusing your data. There's trolls and fake news all over that site. They don't regulate it may have helped get Trump elected. There's a lot going on on Facebook right now. And so, um, congressional hearing. I think we did have a... What was our conversation about Facebook on one of our really early episode, episodes where I talked about how Zuckerberg literally means sugar mountain? 
Do you remember that? Oh my god, that was so long ago. Yeah. I do remember that. That was like, that was like one of our first ten episodes. It was episode three. Oh my god. Oh my god, we're so old. 2016? 2016. Yikes. What do you think about all of this, Quinn? Like, I mean, I personally have never read the term user agreement stuff, um, but I guess there's... It has to be covered somewhere in here, but I guess they just did misuse it. Oh, yeah. One of the lines from this hearing is, your user agreement sucks. And I'm like, not not true. In terms of all the problems I just listed with Facebook, I pretty much agree with all of them being problems. I think one of the main things that we're seeing is that Facebook is such a monopoly, so it's hard to figure out exactly what to do with it. The benefit of social media is that everyone is on social media it, it, that is the value of the product and so when everyone is on facebook and there's not another site that everyone is on there's not another site that's as big as facebook you don't have any competition basically um not in a serious way and it's it would be so culturally difficult to get everyone to shift onto another platform and so the question is well what do you do um I guess the answer in this case is government regulation is what kind of this hearing is trying to get at, but yeah. I hate regulation. What a shock. <laughs> no, I mean, like, I understand. I just, I understand why they're, like, pushing for it, but I'm just, I just don't know how directly helpful that's going to be. Like, so they'll just, like, I don't know. I mean, of course, like, there have, there will have to be, like, specifics, and then we can, like, talk about that if um, they do require regulation, but I just... <sighs> regulation is supposed to, like, prevent things from happening, but in my... I just feel like it does create more loopholes, and it just... Once you have more rules, there are just more loopholes that you can just try to figure your way through. I don't know. I mean... Having rules as opposed to not having rules just definitely has less effort. Of course, there will be loopholes, but there has that you can't like do things the same way you did them before. So uh, you can do the same things that you did before. You just have to be better at hiding it. Mm. Well, a big thing is um, financially. What are going to be the consequences of this, and are they going to give Facebook a giant fine? Basically, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, they said something like. The, the fine could have could be a number with four commas. Did you see that? Yeah, because it's like tens of thousand dollars per user. And that's a lot. Why can't they just give me the tens of thousands of dollars for being a user? No, I, saw, I don't know where this number came from, um, but I, I saw a number in passing that uh, like users are worth $84 a year to Facebook. It doesn't feel like a lot, but um, I guess that adds up when you have billions of users. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Mm-hmm. But yeah, apparently there was a, a 2011 um, FTC thing where they uh, agreed to give their consumers clear and prominent notice um, when they're, they're going to be sharing their information. And so if they find that Facebook is guilty of violating this agreement, uh, then they could be seriously fined. Mm-hmm. And then, they, and then, and then moving forward, it would be like, okay, what kind of, like, what kind of rules are we going to put in place for, like, how you have to communicate with your users about sharing their information? 
I'm also interested to see what kind of lasting impact this has because I know a lot of people or a lot of yeah I know a lot of people from um, from this sort of happening they've definitely have been motivated to delete their Facebooks or at least you know deactivate it for a little bit um, and it's funny because my little sister who's part of, technically part of Generation Z or whatever they're calling them post millennials. Um, she doesn't have a Facebook and none of her friends have Facebook or like they have a Facebook, but they have like 20 friends. Um, because I guess like when they were growing up, our parents had Facebook before they did. So that automatically makes it uncool. And so this younger generation has gone to like Snapchat and Instagram and they essentially use Instagram as Facebook, which I just don't understand. Like, do you know those a Facebook page? I don't know if your high school had one where all the girls would post their prom pictures uh, we did have this, yes. Yeah, and on Facebook, so you post the picture because, God forbid, someone wears the same dress as you, dress as you. Okay, first of all, it doesn't matter if someone wears the same dress as you. You just have to make sure that you look better. That's what I've learned from this. Okay. Um, and then, second of all, like, I, I, I was talking to my sister about this, and I was like, I feel like your school is pretty superficial, so, like, what do they do about, you know, like, Facebook pages and making sure that girls god forbid don't buy the same dress um and she was like oh yeah there's an instagram account and i was like excuse me and she was like yeah like you dm whoever runs the account like the picture of your dress um and then they post it i'm just like i just feel like that gives one person so much power because like what if someone technically bought like the same dress as them but they like post theirs first and then it's like you know it's an interesting case i feel like it would function basically the same way and i don't think that there's that much motivation to be scheming about that. Uh, have you met high school girls? I'm so I was so recently a high school girl, Jillian. <laughs> yeah, well, I hated high school girls when I was a high school girl, and I hated myself. I feel like there's a lot of internalized misogyny there. Well, obviously, I'm Catholic. There's always internalized something. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> the thing that gets me though is Facebook owns Instagram. So I do think that Instagram in many ways is like the alternative to Facebook, but it's not actually an alternative because the same company, like Facebook just owns Instagram. So yeah, yeah. TBT to when Facebook tried to buy Snapchat. <laughs> but yeah, but that's, a, but that's the thing as well. I feel like there are a lot of people who are maybe more tech slanted who are deleting their Facebooks or people who are younger who never got them in the first place or never used them in the first place. But I think that for whole, like most people who are on Facebook like it's the only place that people keep in touch with their extended families and stuff like this and so it would be extremely hard to break out of that I mean social network that's what it is um and like my mom is not going to delete her Facebook because she wants to know like what her family is doing and it and for every person who is like your sister I think that there are millions of people like my mom yeah, I was going to say, well, the simple solution would just be not to care about anyone. <laughs> but unfortunately, I guess that's not a thing. Yeah, I, I think we're going to call that plan B. <laughs> it would work, hypothetically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, personally, I'm a fan of the Zuck, even though he has Zucked up. Ay. Anyways, um, but... Yeah, I think it's cool, though, that this issue has become pretty bipartisan. Like, Republicans and Democrats were both just like, okay, Zuck, like, come on. Come on here. Yeah, it is kind of amazing that we managed to pull one bipartisan thing out of the current administration. Although what most of the Congress still has in common is that none of them know how Facebook works. 
this is just there were a lot of questions in this hearing that have happened so far and i also like i think this is implied by the introduction but yeah for all i know huge things could happen today and we don't know about them because mm-hmm. this is ongoing but yeah that's how it is but um they would they were just asking questions that like sure were important questions but could have very easily been figured out from basic google searches or just demonstrating like a limited idea of like the actual functionality of facebook because they're old people and they're not digital natives who just who like intuitively understand platforms by being on them and using them um and so us as the youth we're like what are you doing (laughs) it's not how facebook works yeah i know how facebook works i do not know i still don't really know how twitter works but it's fine i know way too much about how twitter works yeah yeah you do i can stop anytime i want (laughs) i also am not a huge fan of mark zuckerberg this is the thing is as i feel like he recently had a sort of pr switch and it was like oh is he gonna run for president and like he was doing all this good pr stuff and talking about ubis yeah yeah and then all of this went down it's like oh actually sorry we still hate you but yeah, but a lot of people have pointed out like Facebook started, we've all seen the social network. Facebook started because he wanted to rate how hot girls were at his dorm. Like this isn't, he's not some noble person. This kind of happened by accident. He did meet his wife uh, while he was waiting um, online to use a bathroom in a fraternity. That's fascinating. His wife does seem really cool, um, but she is, you know married to mark zuckerberg so oh come on he's not that bad but also doesn't seem to have a lot of morals like he's he pretty demonstrated said terrible things throughout his life and throughout his career at facebook um and he's 33 years old there was an article with the headline of like this is his maturing moment and rightfully so everyone was rolling their eyes and they were like he's a grown man please treat him like a grown man and not a child referencing what quinn said about you know zuckerberg saying some questionable things there have also just been you know some memos in the company where like there was a 2016 memo written by um, a facebook vp andrew bosworth um who basically said like bad negative outcomes such as bullying and you know death um were unfortunate but inevitable side effects of the company's mission to connect the world yeah, and so Senator Lindsey Ogram from South Carolina um, asked Zuckerberg like whether or not he agreed with this memo that was written by one of his VPs um, at the company, and basically the memo was like, oh yeah, like it's unfortunate that bullying and death can be side effects of you know Facebook's mission to connect the world, um, and Zuckerberg like tried to like not really answer this question um, because. Uh, Graham was like pretty much like, oh, what do you think of this? Um, and Zuckerberg was like, oh, yeah, well, uh, most people at the company didn't agree with the memo. And then Graham was like, well, if somebody who said this worked for me, I'd fire him. And then Zuckerberg was like, ha, 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 maybe uh, we, we, it is important to create a work environment where everyone feels comfortable saying what they think. Which is like, okay, fair, but like also like, hmm. That's only true to a point. At some point. Maybe people shouldn't say what they think if what they think is terrible. It's also just the idea of this memo is that it sounds so absurd in like by normal human decency standards. But from what I know about Silicon Valley, and I totally believe, like it just is totally realistic. This whole thing of like, because I'm sure it wasn't couched in that specific language. I'm sure it was couched in like more 
you know, righteous language, but I, I the, the, just the message of like, we have a great mission and also sometimes people die, but like, but our mission is great. Is such a Silicon Valley thing. I mean, to a point though, like it's like, I don't think that, I don't know. I, I don't think I personally agree with this memo, but it's just like one of those things where it's, it comes to a point, like what's, where are you going to draw the line? Like, it's such a slippery slope. Like, they can't be like, oh, yeah, we are responsible for this. Because then that kind of, like, you know, sets them up to be sued a billion times. Um, so by kind of taking this hands-off approach and not claiming responsibility, yes, they come across um, as pretty heartless, but also, it like, saves their ass legally. Yeah, but I guess you can recognize something as a perhaps a strategically intelligent move. Although I don't personally think this memo was a strategically intelligent move, considering um, it was deeply unpopular and caused a lot of backlash as it should have so probably not actually a good idea but also even if it was like you can still think it's wrong like morally wrong even if it was financially correct i guess maybe would be the angle it's just cost effective it's legally effective i mean i think i feel like what what the problem with this memo was like you said Quinn like it was just all of this like righteous language and it was like Facebook trying to come across as like this noble hero of bringing people together as opposed to like the corporation that they are where they kind of just you know want to make as much money as possible um and so like honestly like if they said like oh yeah well we don't really care plus like we can't take responsibility for this like well yeah you know um Yes, it would also not be extremely popular, but at least they would be honest. So again, it's this whole idea of transparency. And I mean, I think they should just own up to it. <laughs> like, I don't I don't see what the benefit is of trying to come across as like this do good company if everyone can see right through them. I mean, I think that if companies started telling truth, uh, our society would break down. Well, it's kind of already broken. You're not wrong. <laughs> Since this is still going on, we don't know what the outcome is going to be. They could potentially be fined. They could be regulated in different ways. Nothing could happen at all. You never know. It is, considering how rare it is to have Democrats and Republicans working towards the same general goals, it'll be interesting to see how this goes. Although I feel like everyone's mad at Facebook, but they're mad at them for different reasons. Like, some people are like, you help me get Trump elected. And other people are like, you stifle conservative voices. And other people are like, why are you sharing all your users' data? That seems like the pressing issue here. Anyway, so I'm not sure exactly like what the outcome will be or if the people in Congress agree what the outcome should be. I can guarantee that they don't actually. But I do hope that something happens. I feel like with the terms of American society right now, things like events keep happening and the government keeps not really doing anything and i'm looking forward to the idea of shifting the needle somewhere something throw spaghetti at the wall see what sticks (laughs) um the thing is though in zuckerberg's defense he has been like pretty stoic and like been answering questions at least not stupidly um Apparently yesterday, like his net worth went up like three mil three billion dollars, um, because you know Facebook stock price went up. Uh huh. Everyone's so impressed that the thirty three year old billionaire can answer questions. <laughs> well, considering our president can't answer questions, you know our standards have lowered significantly. <laughs> 
in uh, well sort of related to this in terms of the technology field but also related to <laughs> the fact that this is our 69th episode of mixed feelings we are now going to talk about a u.s revenge porn victim case yeah so basically this woman ended up getting 6.4 million dollars um in damages from this case that she won against her ex-boyfriend yeah so we're about to talk about revenge porn so just like i guess general warning i feel like maybe we don't give enough warning sometimes when we're talking about topics that have to do more with like sex and sexuality i don't know i feel like i wouldn't want to play this segment in front of a child or something so yeah chapter markers in the description if you want to skip this i don't know i think it's especially when i was younger like the whole issue of like sex and sexuality was so taboo because like i wasn't allowed to listen to this stuff as a child so like I wonder if making something less taboo just means introducing it at a younger age, even though it may not be, you know, conventionally appropriate, but I don't know. Who knows? I mostly just, I, um, I I totally believe in that. Yes. But, um, I don't want to be responsible for this. Like, I don't want to be responsible for like being the person that like a child is hearing talking about this stuff or like starting to talk about something without warning and like parents not being aware of it and stuff like that. Like, that's just not a responsibility that I want. So you know, I try to, I mean, we also like announce the topic at the beginning of every topic. So like people know, but Mm -hmm. I don't know. I just, it's something I've been thinking about. Yeah. No, yeah, definitely. But yeah, in this case, this is pretty exciting. So this was in California. Um, and this is revenge porn, which basically means that, um, there was a relationship and one partner gave the other sexually explicit images or videos or both. And that, after something goes wrong or the relationship ends that person then shares those images online or with other people without permission um hence revenge porn obviously this is horrible um but i don't think it was explicitly illegal for a while uh because this is again a case of like laws catching up with Mm -hmm. technology and human behavior but there was um a, a criminal case brought against this person and but then it was dropped in 2014 and then it was made in a civil case but uh she won millions of dollars which is awesome because i mean i the the amount of distress and pain and just embarrassment that must come from this situation i can't even imagine mm-hmm. yeah so this does set a really good precedent um for future cases like this hopefully ugh, i mean this is just i feel like this is just a common ethical thing just not just don't do i hate everyone yeah and i mean in this particular case he shared these images and he also shared her number and home address with anyone who indicated interest in the images literally what that yeah because he was like impersonating her oh my god i mean this is this isn't like like spur of the moment made him like submitted a photo to a website in anger which is still absolutely horrible and not acceptable at all but this case is so extreme like this is such a long web of um torturing this woman yeah and like oh my god and just this woman like not only had to fear about emotional stability or like reputation but like actual physical safety Mm mm-hmm which I think is a large part of why she managed to win this case and to receive such large damages for it. But mm-hmm. even with that, it, like it sets a, I do think it sets a good precedent for these cases in the future. Because I like even though obviously these parts about her physical safety um, and like him revealing like her home address and stuff is an important part of that. It also just let lends. I mean, just like any 
case in which these things are actually held accountable for is good news for the future and getting these things to stop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also just like, again, I mean, so I went to Catholic school my entire life and I never had a sex ed class, but we did have to watch this video um, about, you know, porn and I guess related to like revenge porn or whatever. And so basically there was like this video showing like the consequences of like revenge porn and how it was, you know, first of all, not great for your reputation. And then like all obviously like the emotional consequences and just all that fun legal stuff. Um, but then the TLDR was not, Oh, well be a good person and don't send pictures that people send to you in confidence. The, the lesson was don't take explicit photos. Well, Catholic school, what are you going to do? Yeah, it happens. I mean, I feel like that's kind of the message everyone gets, though. I mean, I'm sure, like, it was pretty pretty extreme in Catholic school. But there, I think there, there definitely is a culture of when this happens to people, especially when it happens to celebrities. Like, the case a few years ago where, like, all of these celebrity photos were mm-hmm. shared online, I guess. Um, where it was this thing of, like, well, they shouldn't have taken those pictures. And it was, like, it's a, it's a free country. Like, people can do what they want, like, in the confidence of their own relationships it is you who is the bad person, person who is looking up images that were not consented to share with you. Yeah. And also, can we just talk about the double standard here? Like, for example, like when Vanessa Hudgens nude photos got released, like everyone was on top of that. Just like in terms of like being like, oh, my God, like, how can you do this? You're supposed to be a role model. You are on the Disney Channel, blah, blah, blah. And then Dylan Sprouse, when his explicit photos show up, everyone's like, haha, that's so funny. I'm like, do you not see the inequality here? Did Dylan Sprouse have explicit photos? Oh, did you not see these? No. I really don't know anything about this, apparently, so I can't comment on this. But I do remember when the Vanessa Hudgens thing happened and everyone freaks out. Vanessa Hudgens is great, by the way. Oh, yeah, she's fantastic. Just in general, like, what a star. Also, just, like, her list of boyfriends is just, like, Zac Efron, Josh Hutcherson, and now that guy from... That blonde guy. They're really cute together. Austin, maybe his name is Austin. I don't know. Anyways, but yeah. And also just like when in my Catholic school, like the definition for porn is so different from like the porn that was or the photos that were released um, without the celebrities consent. Because basically this one person like there was this like this one really random case where a guy essentially had to register as a sex offender because he sent a photo of a girl like a selfie of a girl and her like one of her friends and they were wearing tank tops um like and it was just like the shoulders and basically they someone had a really good lawyer and was like no this is technically porn like the tank top strap tank top tank top strap could be misconstrued as a bra blah 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 and now this guy had to register as a sex offender wait how old was he um well they were both under the age of 18 so it technically fell under the child uh, pornography laws for making and distributing child pornography this seems quite extreme i mean it might have just been one of those like fluke cases but that you know the catholic school just who knows i don't unfortunately i can't link anything so honestly who knows how true this is this could have just been catholic school propaganda there's an interesting theory but i mean honestly though i would not be surprised if like one case happened like this mm-hmm. no there's some weird cases out there they were trying to change the laws a while back i don't know if this is still happening because the um like there are these laws not even revenge porn laws but just child pornography laws that were affecting children like like teenagers who were sexting each other and then they were going to jail and it was like 
it was like well this is the letter of the law but not really the spirit of the law like this is, these are like two 15 year olds it's not um like it's not no one's preying on anyone here but because of like the way the law is worded like you could still it's still a felony that was yeah that was another thing they mentioned in the video but it wasn't like the laws need to change it was just like kids need to be more conservative (laughs) i mean if you're underage you should not be sending naked pictures of yourself to anyone at any time just like because as much as like i am like totally for bodily autonomy and like live your own sexuality and whatever you're comfortable with and all this stuff like when you're underage you just you you don't just follow laws (laughs) yeah when you're over 18 you can do whatever you want well not everything but you know what i mean you could do most things that you want, unless you want to do really messed up stuff. Yeah. In which case, why are you listening to this? How why how do we entertain you? How did you find this? <laughs> At any rate, I'm very excited that this case ended in the way that it did and that this person received recompense for her distress. I'm sure that it doesn't make up for everything that she's gone through, but um six point four million dollars is a lot of money. I hope that she goes on some very nice vacations. Well, this is probably like before extra charges and taxes, but whatever, it's fine. It's still way more money than I have, Jillian. <laughs> There's been a controversy over in the television pop culture world this week because of the Simpsons response to the problem with the poo. So there was a documentary that came out last year called The Problem with the Pooh, which um, was all about this Simpsons character who is a caricature of an Indian man. Um, he's played by a white man, or I guess he's voiced by a white man because it's a cartoon, um, who does a heavy Indian accent for it. And he's a clerk in a grocery store and it very much started as a joke and and now this character is more of a real three-dimensional character i guess as three-dimensional as you can get on a cartoon um on the simpsons but like had a very problematic start and has an interesting place sort of in american pop culture because there is so little representation of south asian people on mainstream television especially for a long time wow like this character existed on the simpsons so the documentary sort of looked at like Apu's place in American pop culture and the way that like and this was like the only South Asian character that like millions of people were seeing on television and so the way that like that affected how they interacted with South Asian people and like how South Asian people saw themselves and like all sorts of interesting things um the documentary is cool I will link it in the description and the Simpsons responded to it this week sort of they there's like this weird like look at the camera effect which yeah they broke the fourth wall which was kind of just really uncomfortable especially in a cartoon yeah i was like stop looking at me lisa yeah (laughs) but yeah they're reading this bedtime story and then they're like there's frustration with the bedtime story and like what do you do when something that was once seen as so great is now seen as politically incorrect like while they're looking at the camera and then they look at this picture of a poo like on the, the nightstand the which nightstand. is why do they have that <laughs> like i know obviously like it was for the context of the episode but just like that random i don't know it's the symptoms who knows and then um in back at the camera and then it's like some things will be dealt with later if at all and that's it yeah so probably like the most like cop-out way to deal with an issue yeah oh yeah absolutely if people were comparing it to the way the looney tunes dealt with there the looney tune cartoons were made decades ago and um some of them have like super problematic stuff in them and like racist characters and this kind of thing and so there's now um 
this warning that you see in front of the cartoon that basically says like these are a product of their time they were not acceptable then and they're not acceptable now but we're we're showing the cartoon as it was made because we're not going to try to pretend that this didn't exist but like be aware of the context that this exists in and basically like that warning is before looney tunes cartoons that are are shown now which i think that is in terms of like grappling with the past um in the representations that that media made in the past is a pretty classy way to handle that mm-hmm. yeah i mean i guess i guess when i first heard this like i could definitely see the context because there is such an underrepresentation of minorities on on mainstream media um and especially we'll link the article but how damaging this was for kids who, because like just in terms of the fact that Simpson, the Simpsons, even though I wasn't allowed to watch it due to crude language, um, the Simpsons is obviously a very popular show. And then with this one Indian character, Apu, like that name would be used to like call um, Indian kids like in school, like by their f- classmates um, in a very derogatory sense, which is like pretty, pretty scarring. Yeah, and the big thing that was pointed out um, in this whole conversation is like, this oh the Simpsons make fun of everyone and like they they make characters of everyone and all that and that's true but like there's a there's a thousand different versions of what white people are on television and a hundred different versions within the Simpsons themselves and like all these different things and it's not about the fact that it's a stereotype it's the fact that like it's a stereotype and it's the only thing that was there and so if there were if there were multiple characters or like tons of different TV shows that were featuring Indian characters, then it would have been fine. Um, or at least in a way different context, but like, that's not this, what the situation was. Mm -hmm. And I guess like playing devil's advocate and like trying to argue in favor of the production side of the Simpsons, like, like now, nowadays there's like, there's still such an underrepresentation of minorities and, um, on mainstream television but it has gotten better and i think like i think that's what the production staff was like trying to or at least trying to think in order to make themselves feel better it's like yeah like this happened in the past but like the past is over now and like why should we still be responsible um and like i can like kind of see the point in just like oh well like as long as you learn from the past like why should you dwell on it and, like keep harping on it um but i i don't know that's just it just strikes me as so telling that they took the opportunity to actually address it but they addressed it by not addressing it it's like if you were gonna say something why did you say this okay yeah no yeah that's fair that was that was bad of them yeah like if you're gonna like not care explicitly say you don't care instead of trying to do this like half-hearted i don't even know what it was it was kind of disappointing all around and especially many people pointed out having lisa be the voice of this was just ridiculous because lisa is this like total social justice character on the simpsons that's kind of her whole thing and so frankly it was out of character for her to dismiss this issue as oh what can you do yeah so i'm sensing some consistency issues with the plot development or character development mm-hmm. the good news is the simpsons isn't relevant anymore <laughs> yeah oh my god I think I watched one Simpson episode and it was because my dad was watching it and um, it was like 
I, I forgot the episode, but basically, like, Homer, like, broke his back, and he was, like, pretending that it was still broke. I don't even know. But, um, my mom was like, this shit was trash. You cannot let our daughter watch this. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, I definitely didn't watch The Simpsons growing up. I've seen a smattering of episodes here and there. I've never watched an episode of The Simpsons on purpose. Sometimes it's just on. And so, I mean, I'm, I don't say this to dismiss its, like, place and cultural relevance, because I think it absolutely is such a huge show and, and such a long show in American pop culture that it absolutely has impact. But I just think at this point, like, this is the most anyone's talked about The Simpsons in years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I'm sure there are people our age who grew up watching it or have seen a lot of it, but like, I just think that it is definitely um, l- way less relevant for our generation than the previous generation. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, and I guess this is like also related to this idea of minorities, not only in main, on mainstream television, but also like I took a class on Jay-Z once, um, and one of the topics that we covered was Jay-Z had like this very, had this song where... Um, he uses a lot of derogatory names for Asian people. Um, and so I guess like one of the, one of the things that we talked about in class was like, it wasn't necessarily, at least this is sort of tangentially related, but, um, a lot of the Asian students in the class, including myself, we talked about like, did this really, like, has this really not impacted us, but like, how does this make us feel? Um, and it was all funny because we were like, yeah, it's not that we have a problem with, like, being called these derogatory names. It was just the fact that, like, Jay- I don't know if he did this on purpose, but Jay-Z basically, like, he made a joke about, like, Korean people, but then he used, like, a Chinese derogatory name. So it's just like, okay, if you're going to make fun of Asians, at least be consistent and, like, you know what I mean? Like, can you fact check your insults? Have you seen the SNL monologue from Kumail Nanjiani, the guy who made uh, The Big Sick? No, I didn't. It's it's about being, like, factually correct when you're being racist. And he was, when someone's like, go back to India, I'm like, well, that guy has no idea what he's talking about. I'm not even Indian. But when that guy's like, go back to Pakistan, which was part of India until this happened and is, like, the world's largest exporter of this, then I'm like... That guy seems to know what he's talking about. I will pack my bags. <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. It's oh my god. such a good monologue. I'll link it. Ugh, amazing. Yeah, but like actually, like if you're going to insult us, at least do it efficiently and effectively. In terms of like derogatory characters and language, it's interesting because um, I think about this a lot in terms of the LGBTQ community because basically every word and symbol in that community is reclaimed pretty much every word that we use almost was used as an insult at one point in time and so right now there's um the big debate is kind of about the word queer and whether queer is a slur or if it's acceptable to use and so i personally identify as queer as well as bisexual and like the i identify like that because i sort of take it as a um like a political term almost like I'm not I'm not just identifying myself based on my sexuality but based on like my political goals when it comes to like being in the LGBTQ community and like identifying with that and a a lot of people especially older people um are really against the word queer because it is a slur that was levied against them but then there's this other sort of especially with younger people argument that like all words 
that like pretty much all words and symbols were once used against us and that it's a, it's the continual process of reclaiming. Mm-hmm. Wow, that's really interesting. Yeah. So I guess, well, like obviously used to be used as this derogatory term now, it has it has come to embrace much more of like a cultural background that you can, that it's not necessarily bad to be associated with or not like, like if someone like said, oh, like, this person is like a role model role model for like the queer community because uh, she stands up for this, this and this like that wouldn't be an insult. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I, I think it's definitely in the case of like, you should not call someone queer unless you know that they identify like that. Like I, especially if you're straight, <laughs> um, that's definitely a thing is like, I, I personally identify as queer, but I try very hard not to and I do use the phrase like the queer community in general, but I try very hard not to call individual people that like unless that I know that they have identified that term for themselves. It is still such a sensitive thing and like you don't want to be like putting that on someone who doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that goes for really like all names. Just can Pretty you just much. be a nice person? Just there, there's something called tact <laughs> and more people need it. Honestly, that's a pretty good just rule of thumb is like, Find out how people want to be identified and just, like, respect that. Yeah, I mean, pretty pretty basic. Mm-hmm. But yeah, we live in an interesting time of history of reclaiming negative things about different groups and pulling them into a place of pride. And then just, it's sort of like this, this point in, like, everyone's looking at, like, okay, what's been used against us in this world? And what things are we going to throw away? And what things are we going to take and make our own? And that's going to be all from us today. If you would like, you can follow us on Twitter at MixedFeelingsFM, or you can find us online at Relay.fm slash MixedFeelings, where you can see our show notes, or there's a contact form if you want to send us an email. You can find me on Twitter at AspiringRobotFM. And you can find me on Twitter at underscore Jillian Parker. Thanks for talking with me today, Quinn. Thanks for talking with me. Ugh, always a pleasure. I'm Jillian Parker. I'm Quinn Rose. And these were our Mixed Feelings. And happy episode 69, a... <laughs>